Welcome to Nurturing Bright Futures, the higher education podcast for teachers and advisors, brought to you by UEA. Each month, we provide the latest information you need to guide your students through their journey to university, plus hints and tips to help support you in your work. We know you're busy, so we keep each episode to around 20 minutes, just long enough for a cup of coffee. So, pop the kettle on and let's get started. Hello, welcome to Nurturing Bright Futures, the podcast formerly known as Coffee Break. My name's Alex and I'm part of the recruitment team here at UEA. We're back with a new name for the new academic year, but we'll still have the same mix of higher education advice and information for you. I'm joined today by two of our higher education advisors, Megan and Beth. Hello both. Hi. Hello. Can you just introduce yourselves quickly and tell me which areas you cover? So I'm Beth, as Alex said. I cover Bedfordshire, Lincolnshire, Cambridgeshire, Devon and Cornwall. Hi, I'm Megan and I cover Suffolk, Essex, Northamptonshire and Rutland. Great, thank you very much. So to kick things off today, we're going to take a look at what's going on at this time of year for teachers and advisors. And first of all, while it's still fresh in everyone's mind, let's go back a couple of weeks to A-Level Results Day. Ah. <laughs> um, Beth and Megan, can you tell us a bit more about what happens here at UEA when students get their grades? Well, the phone lines go mad. <laughs> we get a lot of phone calls in. So we have a clearing line um, for students initially looking to get offers. And hopefully if they've got the right grades, we can give them an offer. Um, we then have the confirmation team who talk about anything that might be they might be struggling with, maybe to release themselves from universities on UCAS, um, or just if something they're struggling with in general. Um, UCAS did release a, a self-release this year, which was new for it. So we were all quite nervous to see how that would go. And I felt like it went quite well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think it worked really well actually. We got um, quite a lot less calls um, through to us with students wanting to self-release, um, so that meant more time for us to obviously make offers out to other students. So it's quite good. Yeah, we also had the live chat, and you were on the live chat team, weren't you? This I was. Year, Alex? Yeah, so, yeah. It was great. So what kind of things were you getting through? Um, the usual queries about whether we'd accept the grades, but mm. I think. Um, I think it just worked well because the students are very used to communicating yeah, online. Yeah, I think it's good to have the live chat option. I think they're much more comfortable talking through things in that way. It's just more normal for them. I'd probably even use that yeah. now nowadays. Uh, and I think another thing was that because they had it in writing, what had we, yeah. you know, our response, they could read it and take their time to digest it before they replied. They have a copy of what we'd written. We could include web links and things like that. So there was information they could go and take away. Mm. So, um, and they, you know, they wouldn't have to wait. I think the maximum even peak on Tuesday, uh, Thursday morning was only about a two minute wait to get a reply. Oh, that's good. Chat. So, yeah, yeah, that's really, really that's good. good. So the whole process, we've got it quite sleek now, I'd say we've got it down to a T clearing and it all went very well. We made lots of students some lovely offers. Yeah, it's great. One thing I would say we did have a bit of issues was um, students saying, oh no, I can't, I can't speak now, I'm going out or I've got work. And I would, I would recommend telling students that even if they've got results that they think are going to be amazing, I would, I'd keep A-level results day free either to be celebrating or you need to be free to be talking to universities through clearing because it, it does really take up a chunk of a day to get it sorted. It isn't... It's always a nice process. The universities are going to be nice to you, but it's stressful for you and you need to keep the day free to talk through options and get planning things, really. That's one of the top tips I'd give. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely agree because I know at UEA, I don't know other universities, but 
our academics always ring our students yeah. back once they've got an offer, um, which is really nice because they can talk through the course that they've um, got an offer from, um, answer any questions. But a lot of the time, the academics obviously couldn't get through to students. So yeah, um, another top tip I'd say is to advise your students to make sure they put a um, one of their um, family members or the teacher down as one of their nominated names on their UCAS form. Um, obviously, we've got lots of calls from parents um, and teachers that um, the students perhaps hadn't put their name on their form. So we, um, because of data and everything like that, we weren't able to speak to them. So yeah, that's just another tip um, for students. Students might not think to put someone on their UCAS form, but um, it's really good, especially on results day if they're away or anything like that. Great. Thank you very much. Some, uh, hopefully some useful advice uh, in there. Um, but now looking ahead, uh, we're at the start of a new academic year, so I was just wondering if you had any advice for teachers and advisors who are planning for the year ahead? Yeah, I think use us. <laughs> I think we've got so many things we can do to work with you guys, whether it's um, UCAS, presentations, personal statements, finance. We're really open to coming and talking to you about what we can deliver. We've also partnered up with a company called Channel Talent, which deliver online guest lectures. And if you've listened to one of our previous podcasts, um, you would have heard Rob talk all about it. But that's another kind of avenue to go down if you'd, if you'd like to have an academic into school, speak about engineering or English or anything at all um, that's another kind of offering that we now um, we now have for teachers and advisors. We have also got campus visits we're not just in the virtual world you can still come and see us we can sort those visits out for you um, we're also you need to remember that we are not just well me and Meg said what counties we're in we have got team members based across the country so it's even if you think you're too far away you're probably not we can come in and see you or sort something out so it's just a matter of getting in touch with us really to see how you can work with us. Email schools at uea.ac.uk to find out what we can do to support your school. Okay, now I'm pleased to welcome this month's guest, Christina Garner. Christina is a lecturer in law here at UEA, but also a widening participation academic officer. So welcome to the show, Christina. Thanks very much, and thanks for inviting me. I'm excited to be here. Okay, so Christina, one of the things we get as HE advisors, you could argue that, or teachers do, that a lot of the law degrees across the UK are fairly similar to each other. What would you say to those teachers? What sets apart UEA's law degrees? Okay, great. So um, they're right to start off with. There is an element of similarity um, with how the Law Society regulates some of the degrees that will be changing um, sort of in the future. But uh, as it stands, our degrees have... I would say four main unique points. The first one is the opportunity to study abroad. Now there are numerous studies that look at the advantages to students of studying abroad in terms of their future employability, but also the skills, the transferable skills that they gain. So we have three main programmes here at UEA. We have the three-year LLB law programme, which is all taught here in Norwich. We have two four-year programmes, one where students study law with American law, mm -hmm. and that's always really popular, and students um, spend their third year in America. And another one, which is law with European legal systems, where students spend their third year in a European country. Um, there's a whole list on our website of the ones that are available, and they can be taught in that third year either in English or in a language if they have particular language skills. Brilliant. Okay. Um, we are um, really excited about our law clinic here on campus. Um, so our law clinic gives students an opportunity to participate in a whole range of legal activities. So we work with um, Norfolk Community Law Service and um, students get to support in various teams 
to help people access justice. Um, we have a welfare benefits team, domestic violence team, for example, and they'll be supporting um, solicitors that are giving their time to work with the local community. So they get to see that advocacy face-to-face. Uh, -face. They get to really see how interaction with clients works um, and get involved with real legal work. Um, they could also do things like the street law team where they're going out and raising awareness of legal rights and responsibilities. Um, they can be working to combat miscarriages of justice. There's so much that goes on. It's such a varied opportunity. Um, the other main area is our student-led competitions. So most law schools will talk about mooting. They will talk about the competitions that law students get involved with to enhance their employability skills and that are expected, particularly those students that want to go to the bar, so those mm -hmm. that want to become barristers. Mooting is like mock court trials. We have a whole range of competitions. Um, we have mooting, we have negotiation, we have client interviewing, and we have mediation. So very different skills, like that umbrella term lawyer uses so many skills, different types of work, and so the students get a chance to practice those. Um, we have a legal triathlon where they can compete in all three, um, and we have American mooting, sort of some additional add-ons. One of the really exciting things about the competitions that we offer is that they are student-led. So the coordinators of the competitions are in their second or third or fourth year of their study, and they are the people that are liaising with judges, with barristers, with solicitors to come and sort of judge the competitions, to get set up in the Supreme Court, to do the mooting finals. Um, so there's the opportunity not only to compete internally, nationally and internationally, but also to build those networks themselves rather than relying on their lecturers. So obviously we help. We're, of course, more than happy to help out and like, write questions and give guidance. But the skills they gain are really invaluable. So a real key focus on employability there for our students, which leads me to ask, what can you actually do with a law degree? What do our students go on to do? Well, I'd argue that the opportunities are endless. Um, why, who wouldn't want those skills of being able to be critically analytical with written work? So applying um, a set of rules to any factual situation, like that happens in nearly every profession mm -hmm. you can think of. Those negotiation skills that students are gaining, again, anything that you're um, interacting with other people, um, the presentation, the spoken skills. Lots of our students come in expecting that they want to go into law. Yeah. And actually some of them change their mind part way through. So they really, really like the advocacy side, but their sense of social injustice is much higher. So they end up going into charity work um, and sort of working in the third sector there. We have lots of students that really like the, co the corporate and commercial side of things. And where they like those... Sure, they go into city law firms or they end up going into like banking graduate schemes and things like that. Um, we have students that go into onto teaching. So there's so law is so diverse, even though you're looking at one subject, you can pick up either the public legal education side, so you're really thinking about how you communicate with others, or you can pick up the individual client relationships or family law, yeah. that type of thing. So we do have a huge number that go on every year to do the legal practice course and we're really excited that from September this year that will be offered on campus. We've got a partnership with the University of Law um, so students can study that in Norwich for the first time. Previously the, the closest was Cambridge. Um, we have still a number of students that wish to go on to be barristers and they have a society especially for them preparing them right from arrival. We have our law and practice course which is quite unique 
to UEA and all first year students will participate in the law in practice like really getting to grips with writing legal advice for clients like how they share their knowledge in an accessible way uh, and they have panels so they'll get to explore all the different things they could do with a law degree and practice those crucial networking skills brilliant forward. so we're creating some lovely well-rounded graduates there i'd say but what about before the degree even starts how should students interested in law prepare for a degree sure so we don't have any particular prerequisites and one of the lovely things about teaching our law students and that I really enjoy is how diverse they are. They come from such a range of backgrounds, both nationally and internationally. They have come from science backgrounds or like quite a few from essay type backgrounds. Probably to get ready for it, there will be some extended writing. Um, we absolutely love the extended project qualification. Uh, I think it's a great way to start um, students thinking about doing independent research to be writing at length. We also really, really like subjects like politics, uh, yeah. anything that's engaging with the world around you, but it's not a prerequisite. So if students haven't done politics, they could absolutely do like read up on it, or take out an AS or a GCSE textbook, um, listen to podcasts. There's so much they could do. The students that are the most successful are those that come in ready to participate in everything that we have to offer, so going to insight days at law firms, participating in those competitions. And sometimes students find that easier when they've done things like debate or if they've done Model UN or something that where they're already in a competitive aspect and yeah. they're using those oral skills. Yeah, and that's, that's good advice for prepping for any degree programme really, isn't it? But particularly yeah. for law, yeah. Yeah, it's really helpful. Sort of, if you can participate in a seminar, you're going to get so much more out of it if you're able to enter a debate or a discussion and hold your line of argument in a respectful way yeah. and listen listen to others you your experience will be incredibly enhanced you'll be able to delve deeper into any subjects and that's what we do quite a lot when we're working with students to prep them so in our outreach team we do a lot of work um, with some of our local schools thinking about how can we support that transition to university so there's opportunities that we offer there's also opportunities nationally like the citizenship foundation offer some of those spoken that's brilliant thank you nurturing bright futures the higher education advice podcast for teachers and advisors brought to you by uea so christina you've told us about law at uea but you're also a widening participation academic officer um, so could you tell us a bit more about widening participation? Sure. So widening participation is all about universities reaching out to those hard-to-reach groups. Um, so the ones that are shown up in the data to be statistically less likely to go on to university. And those groups are quite varied. They sometimes change a bit by subject. But broadly, we're talking about students from lower socioeconomic areas, um, from rural deprivation, um, students who are care experienced, mature students who would be doing their first degree after the age of 21, students with disabilities and those that have caring responsibilities themselves. There's also a huge amount of work around um, white working class students and black and ethnic minority students as well. So it's, all universities will have a responsibility to make sure that we're trying to close those gaps as much as possible and we take that really seriously at UEA we've got a really big team um, dedicated to supporting this and looking at not only students as they are gaining access to the university but also how students and we talk about all students here are supported across their student life cycle and to be able to progress into positive outcomes when leaving us. 
that's great. What, what is it we actually do to support them? What are we doing? What are you doing? Sure. <laughs> okay. So we have um, an outreach team that some of our teachers listening may have worked with already. Um, so the outreach team are working with schools that are indicated to have higher instances of those groups that we're hoping, yeah. hoping to reach, doing lots of aspiration raising activities. So that might be things like summer schools doing preparatory work. So for example, when I said how students can prepare for law, we have a preparing for law program. And in the preparing for law program, we will go to some of the big city law firms, looking at the magic circle firms, to experience them. We will do some of those mooting, the negotiation, like practice those skills. They'll be paired with a first year mentor to put somebody in the realm of experience that has done this mm -hmm. already. Um, so we're thinking about students that might be in first generation going on to higher education, having somebody that they can relate to, that they can have that mentoring relationship with. And there's loads of programs like that. There's things for medicine, there's yeah. things for different subject specific areas. What's exciting about our team is that I work with the outreach team. Um, and like everyone said, I'm an academic outreach officer. So although I'm based in law and I'm a lecturer, a huge proportion of my time is dedicated to supporting widening participation activities across all of social sciences. So I look after other subjects like psychology and education and social work, soon to be sociology as well. Mm, um, yeah. So yeah, we're very excited about sociology starting. So I will not only be feeding into those programmes, so making sure that the central outreach offering has lots of representation from the faculty, but also that we're making sure that we are supporting those skills necessary for each subject and doing specific programmes. So we also have some exciting psychology programmes. Um, watch this space for social work it is being developed as we speak. Um, and then we'll work with teams sort of across the university to support students whilst they're here. So we'll work with the advising teams who are the central point of contact for um, students. So every student that comes to UEA will have a personal academic advisor and that academic advisor is kind of like their tutor at school. Mm. So we'll work with those teams to make sure that students are being supported, that everyone's aware of any barriers that might exist. We will also work with the student support services to make sure that students with disabilities or students um, are just getting as much support as they possibly yeah. can. And our student support service is fantastic. It works with all of our students. It looks at how we can prepare students to get the most out of their academic work. So if they wanted to come and talk to somebody about their essays or about having to give a presentation that's not in their school and get some really like, solid feedback and start doing those academic skills, they can do that. If students we do a lot of work around resilience and well-being mm. um, that affects everyone. That is not a unique situation to any particular type of student. And we are sort of launching our inclusive education policy. So sort of thinking about how we make sure that everything that we're doing on campus is as inclusive as it possibly can be to reach all groups rather than sort of separating out and offering bespoke things to individual groups. So just like our law degree is special for having a key focus on employability, it's that your roles are quite unique within the sector. Yeah, they're really exciting. Some other universities are starting to have these roles. Um, and most universities, you will find an outreach team and you'll find a student support team and you will find um, sort of like those discrete groups within. I really, really like how integrated we are into the faculty. So I'm not invited to the meeting to talk about widening participation as this separate mm. issue. I'm in the meeting the whole time. Like I'm a member of staff. It's so integrated into what we're doing um, today. Having that split role also allows us to 
pass information both ways as yeah. well, like see where there might be some gaps. So for example, working with the higher education advisors and the outreach team and all the lovely um, support that we have within recruitment and outreach, we get to know a lot more about concerns that teachers are raising. Mm. So anyone listening, please feel free to like tell their higher education advisors anything that they are worried about with students progressing. And then I can pass information back as well and say, right, this is how the university is supporting them or this is the best way to go about um, sharing information about barriers that you may face. So lots of teachers really positively write in a reference, UCAS, yeah. all about struggles yeah. that a particular student might have, um, whether they be related to health or whether they be related to another issue. As somebody that ultimately teaches the students, I don't see that because it's all part of the admissions yeah. process. So what we're trying to make sure students are aware of now is that if there are reasonable adjustments or if there are things that um, is being placed, there's an opportunity to share that. So yeah. every time you are, every time students are accepted onto one of our courses, they are invited, all students, irrespective of what they've put on their UCAS form, they're invited to fill out um, a support form. And we really encourage, because that's the mechanism by which yeah, we can see. Yeah, the help see. is there, but they have to ask for yeah. it. Yeah, and that's what's different to school. So quite a lot of times, like personal education plans will follow students through yeah. school. Um, and it doesn't follow you to university. And that's what tends to be the sticking point for yeah. quite a lot of students. So, yeah, we're sort of thinking about how can you pass that information on? How can you let someone know? And if you're unsure, just ask. Yeah. Like, we would much rather know about something. We can, no, no question is a silly question. Like, we're more than happy to talk you through how to do how to do things, how to share that information, it will not affect your application. So your application is only looking at whether or not you're academically suitable yep. for the course and everything else is support needs um, and how we can best support your students to be as good as they possibly can be and get the best outcomes. Subscribe to our podcast now and make sure you never miss another episode. Okay, that brings us to the end of this month's podcast. Thank you very much to Megan, Beth and Christina for joining me and to you for listening. Don't forget to email us if you'd like further information on any of the topics we've covered in the show. You can also ask us a question or let us know what you'd like to see covered in future episodes. Just drop us a line at schools at uea.ac.uk. But for now, we hope the start of the term goes well for you and we'll see you again next month. Bye! Bye. That's it for this month's episode of Nurturing Bright Futures. We would absolutely love to hear from you. To book a visit, make a suggestion, or ask us a question, drop us a line at schools at uea.ac.uk. Thanks for joining us.